Welcome back to The Good Play. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she once had a panic attack at a make-your-own-Sunday bar, it's my sister, Marissa. Look, you just had to commit really early to a fruit or a chocolate palette, and I was not comfortable with that. I always go with chocolate. I always go with yeah, chocolate. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not cheaty. I also also go with chocolate. Well, I will say that when we were younger and I would go to Cold Stone with my friends, you would give me $5 and say, you bring me back a... Uh, a chocolate or a, a strawberry shortcake. So uh, strawberry blonde, strawberry, strawberry blonde. blonde. Yes. Let's uh, let's buzz market cold stone <laughs> creamery. <laughs> so we're we're just they definitely need last it. last time we buzz marketed Ample Hills, which I will do mm-hmm. again. Oh yeah, I forgot. So we are exclusively an ice cream buzz marketing. Yes, yes. which I th- I feel like if the good place maybe like once that wraps up, we could just keep going with our favorite ice cream flavors. But anyway, we have wandered. Straight a little bit from the topic, but uh, I, I did want to... Less than a minute in. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a lot to cover. We're just excited. Because I got to say, this season two premiere... It was off the hook. Off the chain. There was off, a chain. Off the hook. Hook. No. No? I like mine better. Okay. We'll go with that. So we're going to just uh, to give the structure of today's episode, we're going to do a recap of season two premiere with our reactions mixed in then we've got questions and predictions for the next episode we've got some uh some articles we want to talk about because there's a lot of buzz around this show uh we've also got not quite a listener mailbag yet but uh we've got some friends who've been texting us uh after listening to it and we're just thrilled that anybody's listening to us so uh we're gonna talk about some of their reactions uh and then we're gonna go into spoiler space uh, where we can talk about uh, some some things that we read and some things that we've seen upcoming. So let me tell you, I, before we get started with the, the season two premiere recap, uh, I just want to tell our listeners that my initial recap was like four pages long. In our, we, have a, <laughs> we have a shared Google Doc, and Marissa wrote a note to me that said, this is too long and involved. Please cut it down. So I have tried my best uh, do you want to take a stab at it or would you like me to? I am happy to. Okay. Um, so stab away. I, I, yeah. So keep in mind. So here's the thing about this episode. It is a, a split POV episode and it moves between the points of view of Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, Jason slash Gianyu and Michael. So if I were to really give you a, like, uh, a shot-for-shot shot recap, it would be sort of jumping between the points of view, sort of Rashomon style. Um, but I think I'm going to zoom out and give a plot recap without um, without really delving into the minutia of who is experiencing what at what moment exactly. Um, so we pick up with Eleanor. She has this note that says, Eleanor, find Chidi. Um... And uh, and she's got this new soulmate, right? Is his name Chris? Is that right? I just refer to him as Hotmail Man. I don't even remember I'm... his name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hotmail Man. I, I think it's Chris. Let's say Chris. Yeah. She's trying to confess to him 
that she is a fake, but he immediately, you know, takes off his shirt and says he has to go to the gym. And she says, you know, fine, fine with that. Um, but um, it's a, there was a lot going on. There was a episode, lot going on. And it was an on. hour long. That's the okay. other thing I will say uh, to our listeners. That's the other thing about this episode is that it is, you know, to recap it, it it's, it's tough because we're switching between points of view. But the other thing about it is it's twice as long as the other episodes because it was aired. It's basically two episodes that aired in an hour long block, whereas usually they're half hour. So we're, we're trying to get through a lot of stuff at once. So even if you watch it a couple times i'm sure there are things we missed it, it really functioned to me as one one hour long yes. episode i could not i could not see the seam where the me two neither. half hours joined me neither me neither so we see michael talking to sean um sean is skeptical that this sort of version 2.0 is going to work even though michael sort of is really talking it up um, Michael is pep talking the bad place employees in sort of a, in an echo of the ori- original intro, uh, sequence that Eleanor experienced in the first, uh, episode of the first season, um, where she was being told that, you know, she's going to feel like an otter holding hands with another otter all day, <laughs> every day. But it's, so it's that same layout, but he's talking to his bad place employees who are these like secret demons who are pretending to be human. Yeah, they're all actors. Right. They're all acting. And um, one of them really wants to bite the humans, which is sort of a recurring gag. Um, Michael is showing some strain, for sure. Um, He... uh, He's got some stakes now. I think that's the thing. He's he's got the stakes of Sean basically saying... There is no attempt number three. If version two of this construct doesn't work, then you're being retired. You're being retired, which, as we yeah. remember from the first season, means that he's going to be like obliterated and and his soul will be ladled over hot diamonds, something like that. And his the yeah. rest of his body will be strewn on like a, the surface of a sun somewhere. So like <laughs> this is, is real stakes for him to make this work. So I think that's why we're seeing this the strain with him. Uh, we see uh, Vicky, who played real Eleanor. I love her. Real Eleanor in season one. She is now playing a pizza shop owner named Denise. I love and her. She is pissed off about <laughs> we it. We got to talk about her later. <laughs> yes. Um, Eleanor is trying to find Chidi the way that her note has directed her to. Um, and she's sort of wandering around. At some point, she runs into uh, Jason, who gives her uh, a gear that he has taken off of the bicycle of his soulmate. So let me backtrack a moment. Jason is, again, being addressed as Jianyu by Michael. He is living in a yurt with his platonic soulmate, who is another monk, of course, another bad place employee pretending to be a monk. Um, And they are both silent all the time and eating sort of, you know, tofu out of a bowl and um, just doing everything together, you know, never having a moment apart Um, and it's driving Jason crazy very quickly. So we see eventually from his viewpoint that he has disabled his soulmate's bicycle. And that's the gear that he hands to Eleanor. At the welcome party, the Bad Place employees are trying to get Eleanor drunk because they really want her to make a fool of herself when she is giving the speech that the top point getter allegedly has to give. She's wearing this sash that says like best person, right? Yes, (laughs) which is pretty great. And um, while she's at this party, she figures out they're really trying to pressure her into drinking. And she's very um, skeptical of that. 
she is about to give in and do some shots when she hears someone say, don't make this harder than it has to be, Chidi. And that's when we see things from Chidi's point of view. The woman who is saying that is named Angelique, which uh, put a pin in that. I want to talk about that. We sort of backtrack and see from Chidi's point of view that he is welcome to the good place. He's told by Michael that he has a special soulmate situation. And he says, oh, I don't have a soulmate, do I? It's okay. My soulmate can be books. And that's when I was like, you are my husband. Literally, I watched that. When I watched that, I was like, this Marissa is... Marissa's soulmate is books. Marissa's soulmate is books. So the two of you would be a perfect match. We could be... We could be in a threesome with books. We, you could just, the two of you could just live in a library together. Oh, uh, that would be my good place. Yes. <laughs> so he's told by Michael that he had this equal vote, sorry, equal point total with two separate women. And that, so it's basically a, a another quartet of people. But of course, in this case, three of them are bad place employees who are just pretending that there's a, another man and two women and it, we're not really sure, Michael says, how the soulmates are supposed to be paired up. So he interviews both of them. Their names are Angelique and Pavita. Angelique is like some sort of uh, perfect match for um, for Chidi because she studied at the same university as him and, he, and she wrote her thesis in uh, philosophy and ethics and whatnot. And Pavita just seems like really boring and um, non-responsive. She's not giving him much. No. And then um, Michael says, oh, just kidding. Um, Pavita is your soulmate. I I redid the calculations. So now Chidi had to sort of agonize through this choice and he was just about to make it and had kind of revealed that his choice was Angelique when Michael comes in and kind of knocks the whole tower over. And so he's kind of struggling with this. And at the party, he sees Angelique and he's sort of saying to her, you know, like, didn't you kind of think that it was supposed to be you and me? And she says, you know, don't make this harder than it has to be, Cheaty. Eleanor hears her say this and she goes, oh, Cheaty. Goes to him, kind of pulls him into a room and is like, look, there's something really fishy going on here. Um, They're trying to get me drunk. I wrote myself this note that says Eleanor find Cheaty. And he's like, I can't deal with this right now. And kind of storms off, right? So Chidi kind of leaves Eleanor unsatisfied because he won't really talk to her about this. Then it turns out that the person who took the shots that Eleanor was going to drink is Tahani. Love that. Yes. Tahani, in short, has been welcomed to the good place and told that her soulmate is someone about half her height. I mean, he's he's not a, a little person. But he's very short. And she's also, like, statuesque. She's, like, 6'6". She must be, like, 6'6", within her heels. Um, Also shown to a very small house. And I just have to say that I totally called this. You did! When I was watching it, I was like, (laughs) she called the house being tiny, and you also called, like, the... What did you say in the last episode? Denim vest or whatever? Make her wear denim vest? I I said denim vest. And now she's in a denim jacket with cargo pants. (laughs) Yep. I was... On the nose. Which is <laughs> so maybe a little off to the side of the nose. She she can wear whatever she wants, but her alleged soulmate says he wants to dress down. So she dresses down to match him and she says she feels like a female plumber, a.k.a. A clog wench. Oh my god, I loved that. <laughs> she takes the shots that Eleanor had made for herself before she found Cheaty. And she does the shots. And then Eleanor gets up to give her best person speech. This is the one where, you know, this is where Michael has really put all his eggs in this basket. He wants Eleanor drunk and embarrassed 
so that he can the next day create the sort of chaos that we saw in season one with the giant shrimp in the sky and the giant frog and the giant giraffes and what have you. But of course, Eleanor is not drunk and she barely gets a sentence into her speech when Tahani actually kind of comes in, knocks her over, uh, you know, is is slurring her words, is very drunk um, and is obviously uh, jealous of Eleanor. She starts a fire. She does her right. That was, I have to say, that was the only part of the episode that um, I didn't like was that the how fake the fire looked. It was just <laughs> like just just spend a little extra money and make the, make the fire look real. You had a more convincing lava monster in your in your season yeah. one. Uh, yeah, I think Michael Sure. I think Michael Sure talked about how expensive. Yes. That was. <laughs> so as this is going south, Chidi kind of pulls Eleanor aside and says, "I know that book." And Eleanor says, is that some kind of nerd pickup line? Because it's only kind of working. <laughs> so great. Um, he has noticed the title on the, because she ripped out the title page of the book, What We Owe to Each Other. So he figures like that, that was my book, you know, so um, we must know each other. Meanwhile, Michael kind of does a huddle with the demons who are supposed to be minding all these humans. Um and they are all sort of admitting that they can't control the humans and they're not, the humans are not doing what they want. And Michael is obviously very angry and upset and kind of disgusted both with his um, employees and also disgusted with the humans. He calls them ding-dongs. He does. <laughs> this must be like the standard uh, greeting in the bad yes. place. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jason finds Janet... And he sort of is immediately drawn to her and is talking to her about how he feels sort of lonely and, and alone. He wants to go with her. And she says, you know, I live in a boundless void. So, you know, can I go with you? Like, no, it's a boundless void. <laughs> so she says, hey, I know what I can do with you. I can, I can, I'll bring you someplace. Right. And meanwhile, Chidi and Eleanor are sort of discussing, like, do we know each other? What is going on? How? Why did I write this? This, that, the other thing. I love that Chidi has sort of intuited from the level of the material in what we owe to each other, like exactly how long they would have been studying yes. together. He says something like, either we really got deep into studying together or you just stole one of my books and wrote this in it. And she said, actually, that latter kind of sounds like me, but we know it's the former, you know, because we've yeah. seen it. Um, and they're sort of... Uh, guessing you know what could be going on and and is this really the good place and Eleanor says well were you a good person and she says yes oh but I did keep using almond milk Ah. even after I knew the environmental concerns which I just was such a great callback so Michael comes to kind of spirit Chidi away because he doesn't want Chidi and Eleanor sort of getting into it this early with no chaperones around um he's trying to pull Chidi away. Eleanor is instantly suspicious. Tahani kind of clomps in to apologize for ruining things. Michael gets more nervous. Uh, Jason is spirited to Eleanor's house by Janet. And this is one of, this is my biggest open question from the episode, but we'll put another pin in that. So the four humans have convened and Jason immediately outs himself as not being a Buddhist monk. And Eleanor is basically like, this is not, you know, this isn't what it seems. It's not on the level. 
Yeah. Yeah. Michael is forking with us. Jason says it's like a prank show. She says, look, you know, I left myself this note. And Michael says, oh, well, okay. At least that's an explanation for why things went south so quickly. So I'm going to start this again. And there's not going to be a note. And Eleanor tries to stuff the note in her own mouth. And he says, you know, it doesn't work that way, dummy. And then he snaps his fingers. Everything is rebooted. Uh, We are in version three. He tells his employees we are in version three, but he tells Sean, his boss, that version two is still operational. And we end with him calling Eleanor into his office for the third time for the third uh, introduction. So how do we how do we feel about this? I thought it was an excellent episode. Me too. Me too. I don't know how you make an entire season after this episode, but I, my understanding is that they really have plotted this stuff out. So I'm going to put my trust in the showrunners and the writers, but it was like, wow, they just burned through. It could have been several episodes worth of plot, but they just burned through it in one. Now it was an extended episode, but still they just burned through the plot. Like, like it was nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Very daring. Very, very daring. Yeah. Especially considering because so many of our questions and so many of the, I think the questions that we saw in a lot of the lead up, in a lot of the media lead up to season two was how long are, is is it going to be until they figure out what's going on and how long can they, right. the actually, you know, seeing the buses around New York City that are um, advertising season two of The Good Place, the tagline they're using is how long can they keep this up? And oh, that's interesting. Yes, and she's holding a bunch of balloons. That's the joke, right? Uh huh. How long can they keep this up? And the truth is, uh, apparently, not very long. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just poked a, a pin in that balloon and said, "Like, well, well, we're gonna find out. Uh, it's not that long." I'm very interested. I think we. I have a, a ton of questions, but I just did want to say, man, they, they surpassed my expectations. I, 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 I agree. There were a couple things where I was like, oh, we called that. Or like, oh, that's funny because we, we talked about that. But for the most part, I was totally surprised and happily so. I thought it was an amazing episode. I think the writers are on fire. I think they're doing a great job. The moment when Eleanor and Chidi finally are speaking to each other, it was such a... It was like these two souls had found each other. And I don't mean to, I'm not going to get into like shipper wars. I'm not, Although we could, this is, we could, we may in the future, but this is not to say anything about their, their, them as a romantic pairing versus a platonic pairing, just them as these two people who obviously in the situation need each other very much, whether they know it or not. And how they, these souls have kind of become comfortable with each other, even in the absence of memory there was something about the way that they were speaking to each other, the way that she kind of was like, just smile and kind of follow me. And he was like, well, you're my least favorite person that I've met. <laughs> but it was said in such a, you know, it wasn't said in a in a mean way. It was, it was almost like, a, you know, a ribbing between two old friends right. in a strange way. You know, they, they just had this immediate chemistry. And again, I'm not speaking romantically. I'm just speaking perhaps in a friendship way. They had this immediate chemistry between them that was so obviously missing from the relationships between the humans and the demons that it was just like, it was perfectly understandable to me how they would immediately um, 
kind of start bouncing ideas off each other and trying to figure out what was going on and why they would immediately trust each other because they seem to have this bond that survived the memory wipe. Yeah. Do you want to start there in terms of, because one of the questions that we have here is, have these people, has Eleanor, but I think all of them, we can say all of them because they all have remnants of this. Have they changed in some way that Michael is not going to be able to control from going through the first iteration of all this together, the first season for, you know, our purposes? Have they changed each other in some irrevocable way? It seems to me that they have. Because I... I think that Eleanor's behavior in particular is quite different than what it would have been, you know, Mark 1, day 1, when she was pretty irredeemable from the jump. Yeah. This time around, she seemed... Uh, a lot more curious, a lot more engaged. A lot more thoughtful. Yeah. And not just willing to take everything at face value. And I think, too, that in addition to Eleanor's behavior, we do see, you mentioned before, that uh, Janet and Jason have this exchange where, first of all, they are reunited and bond very quickly together he hugs her and you know over the course of the first season you know they didn't really get together until close to the end of the first yeah the final third of the season i would say whereas in this episode they've bonded very quickly and you pointed out in your recap that she when he says like i just want to go where i feel comfortable she says, oh, I know where I can take you and takes him right to all the other humans. So I also wonder if something's going on with Janet. There is definitely something going on with Janet because when she appears, so this took me, I watched this through two times. When she appears in Eleanor's house, she's not looking for Michael, which is why that, that was what I had remembered when I watched it once. She's actually saying to Eleanor, this is Jason and he needs to speak to you specifically in private. Oh, which, okay. Which I'm I'm getting the wording slightly wrong, but um, why in God's name does Janet take Jason to see Eleanor? And you could hand wave this with like, well, she's the top point getter, right? Therefore, something. But it that does not seem like an explanation to me. It seems like Janet has some remnant of a memory somewhere or a feeling that what Jason needs is to. Be with humans. Alternatively, Janet is an AI. It's possible she can tell humans from demons. That is probably true. Although, do you think because she's a good place Janet in the bad place, do you think she can tell angels from, from demons, for lack of a better word? Maybe not. Maybe she can just tell humans from non-humans. I'm just spitballing No, here. totally. I'm saying that... There's some there's something odd with Janet, right? Yeah. And I think you and I had discussed before we um, before we started recording that um, the whole Janet Jason thing feels very Eternal Sunshine it in the does. Spotless Mind. It's so I'm, I mean a lot of a lot of it does a lot of these relationships do, but particularly them 
If listeners, if you haven't watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, who hasn't watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I asked a friend of mine. I asked a friend of mine, and she said she'd never seen it. So if you have, goodness gracious I know, me, if you haven't seen it, it's fantastic, uh, and it is about people who have met before but don't remember meeting. No spoilers. Having relationships with one another and repeating the same behavior over and over again, the same behavior that they are trying to forget and trying to get away from, they are repeating it. And it it asks a lot of questions of us of how much of our patterns of behavior are ingrained in us and how much can we change. And it's a very beautiful movie. I would highly recommend. It makes me cry. Uh, But there there is something very eternal sunshine about the way that janet and jason are immediately drawn to each other and um also i think something a little eternal sunshine about the way that chidi and eleanor are finding each other again and as you said getting back into that very comfortable rhythm with each other yeah and i think going back to what you said before about you can understand why the humans want to gravitate towards each other because they feel more comfortable around each other. It is very clear from this iteration, clearer, I think, in this iteration than in the first season, that all of these people, all of the demons, excuse me, are or bad place employees are acting. I think demons is a fine shorthand. Demons. They're acting. They're acting. Which brings me to another question that I think we had uh, before we started recording, which is... What I found really interesting watching this episode the first time around was that um, the Bad Place employees, the demons, don't have their memories erased like everybody else does. So they know this is version two. I don't two. know that Michael could do that. Well, I, I don't, I'm not saying he could or not, but I'm just saying that, uh, excuse me, I'm just saying that what that means is they know it's version two they know or now ne- they know it's or version, now they three. Know it's version <laughs> three uh and they are they know that they're putting on a part and now that we know that what i find interesting is when you have somebody like vicky or denise vicky who's playing or denise, real eleanor or, or real eleanor we're gonna have to find out you keep talking. I'm going to find out that, that actress's name. because Tyra? I, I, Tyra something? Tyra no, that doesn't Tyra. sound right. When you have somebody like her, or when you have somebody like Angelique, who you said, you know, is she really acting or does she really feel torn because she maybe she does actually have some affection for Chidi. Does there... Tia. Tia. T-I-Y-A. Tia Sirkar. Tia. Great job, Tia. We love what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, I thought she was hilarious because she is like the high maintenance ingenue who has been downgraded to like the chorus line, and she's just really trying to play it up. And I just loved it. But yes, but because I of don't that, think she has, I don't think she has feelings for Chidi though. She seemed to really relish having been the one to break his. No, heart. I meant I mean, Angelique she... when I said that. Okay, yeah. but I was I was lumping them in together because for their own separate reasons, could we be, you know, because they are aware of everything and they have some agency in this situation uh, and they don't seem to be like really loyal to Michael necessarily because everyone's given him a hard time. um, Do you think that there is some room for the demons kind of 
double crossing each other or connecting with the humans in a way that they shouldn't be or um, trying to get around Michael or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's inevitable because how long can we possibly stay with iteration three? (laughs) They figured out iteration two in less than 24 hours. I mean, I think iteration three is going to become iteration four is going to become iteration, you know, N and it's really going to piss off the demons. They don't like this. They would rather be, um, specifically Eleanor's fake soulmate would rather be twisting yes! people. He worked on the twisting department. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I used to just twist people in half. Up here, it's all talk and no twisting. <laughs> <laughs> he was the, just the stereotype of like the hot idiot. They don't like this, and it, and it, um, it's not clear to me how much choice these guys had in the matter. It, it sometimes it seems like Michael kind of put out a casting call, and these were the people, these were the demons, I should say, who responded to it. And sometimes it seems like these demons got assigned here, and maybe it's maybe it's one way for some of them, and one way for another batch of them. It does seem like for Vicky, who is playing Denise in in iteration two. That That's just t- Tia. Tia. <laughs> Tia. It does seem for Tia that she was really attracted to this. Um, yes. And sought this out. But she sought it out thinking that she was going to be one of the main players. And she right. has been downgraded and that makes her unhappy. So you're right. How How long until maybe she goes rogue in order to get herself back into the spotlight? And we see her kind of trying to wrest the reins from Michael somewhat in that she tries to make up a story for herself about being a, an acrobat in a an illegal circus or something. <laughs> That's why she has a lip. Walking, <laughs> right, which, I mean, I think Chidi, given maybe another 24 hours, kind of would have put the pieces together of, like, why would anyone have a limp in a good place? <laughs> uh, he never gets that opportunity because they get mind wiped. No, no. But, um, yeah, so can I talk about Angelique for just a second? As much as you want. She's either an excellent actress, and maybe that's... So I'm not... I'm talking about the the narrative within the show. Meta-narratively speaking, the woman who plays her is, I'm sure, a wonderful actress. I'm talking about inside the show. Either Angelique is a fantastic actress, or she maybe has some friendly feelings towards Chidi. Yeah. It seems to me like she she may have actually kind of found him interesting and, and wanted to spend a little time with him. And... Her name is Angelique, which you would think would be the name of someone in The Good Place, right? Angel-ish is basically how you would yeah, you, translate that, right? You picked, you picked up on that. I didn't. I read it in the comments section of the AV Club. I have no, oh, okay. you know, I have no gift for like picking out tiny details like that. But I read that comment section of the AV Club very closely. <laughs> Thanks, AV Club. We'll get yeah. to you later in the show. Yes. Um, <laughs> We are also buzz marketing for uh, media outlets that talk about The Good Place. No, but that is a great point, uh, commenter from the AV Club. Uh, But it is a great (laughs) point because I did not pick up on that either. But thinking about it now, could Angelique be some... Like a rogue uh, agent of The Good Place Yeah, like a mole for The Good Place. (laughs) The real Good Place. It does seem like we're going to have to go in the direction of... 
um, the demons not being a united front. And, and, and it's hard to know exactly what that means. If it means that there is a mole or if it means that they're all bad place employees, but some of them kind of want to mutiny against Michael and turn this neighborhood into more of a traditional bad place. Or if some of them decide that they don't want Michael to face the wrath of Sean and they all start pretending that things are going better than they are, but it just doesn't seem that, you know, there's literally hundreds of demons in this scenario. And um, I think we're going to see some movement on, um, on their loyalties because uh, things are tenuous. Yeah. And I think that segues well into, I agree with you. And I think that segues well into just how, uh, desperate michael really seemed i I would yeah he really overplayed his hand he really really did he could have i think he could have made this iteration work possibly although that note that eleanor wrote herself was always going to be uh, a thorn in in his side but this whole thing about you know he was so married to this idea of eleanor has to get drunk and give the speech and that's what's going to kick off the chaos sequence tomorrow like you literally have eternity to work with. Just ease off the gas and let her kind of come to ruin on her own schedule. Because if we're presuming that Eleanor is the same Eleanor she was at the moment of her death, which was a bench, yeah, Eleanor would have come to ruin on her own schedule if he had just eased up just a millimeter. <laughs> I wrote in my notes repeatedly, Michael is meddling too much. And I couldn't tell if that was because... Because thinking back to the first season, he was in their biz a lot. Constantly. And it was funny at the time. I remember thinking to myself watching the first episode, like, how is it that he can spend so much time with Eleanor, you know, just immediately prior to this orientation meeting? Was she the the last one to die of this group? Like, how come he's giving her so much attention? And of course, in retrospect, you know, he's only got four people to actually give his attention right. to. But he's in their <laughs> biz a lot. But I think in the yes. first season, before you know the reveal, it comes off that... It comes off as avuncular. Yes, avuncular. And then it also comes off as kind of needy because he's worried about... He wants everybody to have a good time. He wants everybody to feel comfortable. He's so worried about this place being ruined. It's not until we understand that he is the architect of this bad place neighborhood that we understand why he was really spending time with all of them, which was to get them to torture each other and to kind of place these uh, other demons strategically throughout all the episodes but you're right that you know now he's just really really overplaying his hand and i think he's doing that because he is really concerned that it's not gonna work but it's almost like and he's terrified of being retired right but it's almost like a, a watch pot never boils right like yes. if you if you put too much attention on eleanor uh right away and everyone is trying to get her to do one thing. And, you know, you're right that I think in the first couple of episodes, it's almost like he felt more comfortable setting up a situation and then stepping back and watching her wreak her own havoc. Whereas now he's trying to really micromanage everything, which obviously got him into more trouble 
if he had this whole Angelique versus Pavita thing. Yeah. He could have handled that so much better. I was thinking that. I was like, why not? You know, Chidi's whole thing is that he can't make a decision, right? He had the right. panic attack at the Make Your Own Sunday Bar, right? <laughs> Which I thought was hysterical. Why not present him with these two women who are both learned and beautiful and into the things that he's into so that he genuinely can't decide? And then, you know, don't step in with uh, with a solution, even you know a bad solution as this clearly was yeah. let him let him uh kind of dangle there sort of um between these two wonderful options i mean that would have tortured chidi for probably months i was i was shocked actually when he came and said oh actually we figured it out and you know pavita is your soulmate because i agree i think i think he could have let that situation go I think that would have uh, tortured Chidi for a very long time. And the other thing I will say is if you don't want these humans to meet each other or spend that much time together, then why bring everybody together at this party? Why not for Eleanor? If if the whole thing is that Eleanor is supposed to be oh, the yes. drunk mm-hmm. mess, why not just put her in a room with all bad place employees who are yes yes why yes. invite to say this is the say this is the winner's circle this is the top 15 yes. point getters exclude all the humans and say you're number one out of 15 can you give a speech to these 14 other yes. people who are all demons, keep them apart actually. a little bit uh a, b- a little bit longer because i mean we're <laughs> we're criticizing michael i think that it's not a criticism of the show because no. this was obviously intentional. This and is, the this episode is... was brilliant, the way that yes. they did it. Right. So they're trying to show that Michael has... Unraveled. Really started to panic. Yeah, I don't think he's fully unraveled, but he is not doing great. <laughs> and he he really messed this up. And it's kind of a shame because so much of what he did was sort of so... Like putting Tahani's sister's portrait into honey's little hubble a plus a plus <laughs> was such an amazing move and if he had just kind of let it simmer just let it simmer yeah. you know just give it some weeks some months you know there is no hurry you have all of eternity there's no hurry let these guys twist for a little bit. Put them in the emotional version of the hot mailman's twisting department. <laughs> um so I, so did, did we talk about Oh, yeah, why did why did Michael set up that recording device on his desk at the end? I didn't even and notice he, that. And he again, this is having watched it yeah. twice. He's got a big reel-to-reel tape recorder. He sets it up. He's kind of got a little microphone and he's getting all ready to say something. And then Sean's call comes in. And then Michael angles his body so that Sean can't see the reel-to-reel. And then has this conversation with Sean. And then at the end of that, he basically, we see him saying, Eleanor, come on in. But what's going on with the tape recorder? Great question. Don't know. If you say question again, I'm never doing this podcast again. (laughs) Like I said, I didn't notice that. But I wonder if it's an insurance policy of some kind. Yeah, but I I can't think what he would be recording to what end. Maybe he's trying... Do you think he's trying to record a bunch of stuff 
and backdate it to make it look like it's the version two in case Sean wants like updates. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, every, every explanation I thought of for him recording things didn't quite work for me. And it, but it's very obvious that, you know, we're, we're meant to see this, this recorder because you in this world with the technology that we see that they have he doesn't need a reel-to-reel tape recorder so like we're meant to see this and 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 think about it but i i I can't think of an explanation also when sean calls in at the end does he make mention of butthole spiders i wasn't going to talk about this (laughs) because i literally just had in my notes butthole spiders question mark question mark question mark but we can yes we can leave it alone Let's please. Okay. I don't. I, I you know. Just, part of me thinks that the part of me thinks that the the bad place like real tortures are funny. I mean, they are sort of written to be funny. And part of me quails in horror at the reality of this like universe that they have set up, <laughs> where everybody we have ever known and loved is getting their penises allegedly... flattened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Getting twisted in half. I, 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 this is something that I thought of actually while I was putting together my notes is the title sequence for these episodes say chapter chapter one has a name chapter two has a name last episode that we did we talked about the worldview of this show and we talked about what it might mean for the sort of heaven and hell of this universe or are they trying to create recreate earth or what's the end goal right what's the end game for the show but it occurs to me now that if you have all of your episodes as chapters what it reminded me of was do you remember when we saw book of mormon yes which part specifically the well just at the end when all of a sudden now they have the book of arnold yes are these chapters in potentially like a new sacred the book of yes, a new sacred text? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Is it, at the end of this, are we going to get disciples of oh, like a frame story of like, and that's how you know the good place and the bad place were abolished, and now we all go to the medium Exa- place together. or something. Yeah, the book of of Eleanor, the book of Chidi, the book of Tahani, something like that, where. I don't want to read the book of Jason. It probably just says boobs a thousand <laughs> uh, Okay, times. can we talk about that rock garden for a sec? <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. I think I have more of a soft spot for Jason than you do. He blew up a guy's boat. I'm very lawful good. <laughs> yes, and you are. Jason just... Jason just... <sighs> he, I mean, he's a terrible human being, but when he and his uh, soulmate his fake soulmate, his, the, the other monk are doing like a rock garden together outside of their yurt. His, his uh, soulmate is putting together this really intricate pattern. And he, it's beautiful. He just, yeah. <laughs> Jason's just writing boobs out in rocks. <laughs> that made me laugh hysterically. Yeah. So are we going to get, you know, that is how the good place was abolished and, or the bad place was abolished. And now we have this new system of, of religion or anything like that. I, I, that would be, as far as I'm concerned, that would be like the, that would be a great way to kind of put this story to bed at the end of the yeah. day. Would be to, that this whole system that we now know is completely forked up, <laughs> uh, that this whole system kind of goes away. Yeah. And we get something new in its place. And maybe it would be the work of our quartet. 
Although, let's be honest, Jason's not helping much. Janet might help. Janet might help. Do you want to, um, let's get into listener mailbag. Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, before we do that, I do want to say uh, that uh, if this is, if this does happen to be a theistic universe, if at the end of it we get to, you know, the book of Eleanor and there's somebody at the center of it, of all of this, uh, we would like Michael Schur to bring back uh, Amy Poehler and cast her as God. Amy Poehler is God. Okay. I'm in on that. I'm I'm talking to you, Michael Schur. <laughs> you have her number. We know we're gonna get you number. on this podcast, Michael Schur. It's gonna <laughs> happen. Call her up and be like, "Yo, do you want to play God?" She would say yes. And maybe it's not God in the way we think of God. Maybe it's just the CEO of the Good Place. That's fine. Yes, the CEO she, of she's she's she can be the director of the Parks Department for the Good Place. <laughs> But the good place is just one giant park, so she is she's God. I think I think we can now maybe say that all of Michael Schur's uh, maybe there's like an uh, an expanded Michael Schur universe <laughs> where all of these things are happening at once. This was like Quentin Tarantino. I'm into it. Things. Or Pixar. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mailbag. Mailbag, mailbag. Mailbag. So I'm just gonna scroll down here. So like I said before, we don't quite have a listener mailbag yet although marissa did set us up on uh facebook and twitter do you want to talk about that for a sec yes twitter is at the good play pod please follow uh i will tweet when we have a new episode and i am going to live tweet um future episodes i uh because of the timing of this last episode the special uh one hour uh episode all that I wasn't able to live tweet this one, which I really felt bad about, but I will uh, live tweet the episodes going forward. And we're on Facebook. It's just called The Good Play. And I think if you search The, the Good Play, that's the only thing that's going to come yeah. up. So it's a, it's, a, it's a group. You can join. Please go ahead and yeah. do that. And we're on iTunes. Please rate us and subscribe and leave your comments and and uh, all that good stuff. So pl- I feel like we don't have enough episodes yet to beg people to rate us but do subscribe <laughs> well you know five stars they talked about how cheaty is my boyfriend <laughs> five stars like it's okay you can withhold judgment until maybe you know a few more episodes all right um so kate your friend yes. kate had a wonderful question yes. that i think is uh deserves to be addressed yes. and she says if eleanor had gotten on the train with demon adam scott and gone to the bad place where would it have gone um, I think that there would have had to have been some sort of uh, circumstance where the train never left the station. Derailment or something. Yeah, derailment or, again, another Bombajon. I think Bombajon is just going to become my shorthand for, like, I found an obscure president. Yes. <laughs> just another Bombajon situation where someone is like, wait, wait, and, you know, it stops the train or something like that i I don't think they ever would have allowed her to actually leave this scenario what do you think yeah i agree with you and i wonder if we're gonna get the same construction again this season or if michael in his quest to meddle as much as possible and get in their way as much as possible if we're not gonna have this construct of the train in and out yeah, just ditch the train, man. Yeah. Like, what? You don't need it. <laughs> why Why would you give them the idea that there is a way, that there's even somewhere else to go? Yeah. I do believe, so I believe that I read in an interview with Michael Schur that the medium place is real. Oh, so, snap. 
Yeah, I know. So, uh, you know, we had said unreliable narrator. Basically, we couldn't we couldn't say whether or not the media place was a real thing or whether it was created for Eleanor to um, sort of witness and sort of as another sort of test of her soul or this that the other thing. But apparently, it is the media place is a is a real place. Will we see it again? That's a good question. Yeah, I think we will. But um, but yeah, just ditch the train. You know, this is the bad place. The bad place doesn't need a way to get around. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kate also uh, did tell me that she's really glad that we acknowledge that we sound the same. I am trying to separate our voice into two channels so you kind of hear one of us in the left ear and one of us in the right ear. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that, that hopefully helps. that's like a... Does that help a little bit? And she also said to me that Demon Adam Scott is kind of my archetypical fictional boyfriend. She's correct. I really... Yeah, and our friend Amy said something very similar yes, about I'm sensing a our... theme. Our, yeah. our dear friend Amy said, Your choices of crushes make complete sense for who each of you is. <laughs> so... Yeah, well... I, I've, I got some soul searching to do, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but Chidi and I will live forever or be dead forever together in a big library in the sky. That sounds great. Okay, we are closing in on an hour. So let's get to spoiler space and then we will be out of here. Alrighty. So uh, there's a great New York Times article that our mom sent us. <laughs> <laughs> and we were is she actually listening to the show or does she just know that we're I doing think, it? Well, I hope she's listening, but I don't know if she's figured out how to on her on her iPhone. But uh we said, Mom, you know, this is spoiling you for the show, but she said, Dear girls, I I think this would be good for your podcast. So That's our that's mom our voice. mom's voice. She does talk like that. Um she really yeah. does. So it's a New York Times article that is a review of season two of The Good Place. And it, the reason it's in spoiler space is because they talk about the first four episodes. Uh, so I'm just going to read a couple excerpts. Over the first four episodes, the Bad Place version of The Good Place proves it's still able to surprise while staying rooted in the ideas that make it more than the sum of its twists. Uh, and the first season, I'm paraphrasing here, was uh, more about what does it mean to be good? Is it a learned behavior? Is it something you can achieve? The new season parallels Groundhog Day. Uh, just as an aside, that's, you know, a situation that you're going through over and over and over again. So it may be, as Marissa was saying before, that we're going to see not just version three, but version four and version five in the subsequent episodes. But we're not entirely sure yet. And uh, then it goes into how all of these people have been tortured in their own special ways, uh, including for uh, the over-intellectualizing Chidi, it is being forced to make tough decisions. So we may see in following episodes that he is confronted with these decisions in a different way. Uh, maybe Michael is, is learning how to torture all these people and he's going to go through some other exercises. We're not sure. This is barely spoiler space. That's true. I mean, this... This is really there. This is the New York Times. I mean, they're not they're not messing yeah. around with uh, with actually spoiling things, which I'm sure they're like contractually obligated <laughs> not to do. Uh, there was another. Uh, there was an article on Collider, which again is not super spoilery, but I, we just put it back here because uh, I liked this one sentence. If you think you know how season two is going to play out now that you, uh, now that the memories have been erased and the audience is aware that we're in the bad place, you're in for a surprise. 
Uh, and I gotta say, I was very surprised by the way this episode was, and I now expect to be surprised in upcoming episodes. This doesn't really belong in spoiler space, but... Maybe we should call spoiler space something else. Well, if we ever have a real spoiler, Our... then I actually do want to move it to the end. But I don't have any real spoilers. Article roundup. Yeah. I feel like we're kind of done. <laughs> I do. I feel like we're kind of done. I don't I don't want to get into all these articles. They're, they're all very analytical and wordy. And um, I can say, if you want to do more reading on the show, I do have some articles to recommend. Um, the AV Club has both a review of this week's episode. They're going to do an episode by episode review. Um, I love the AV Club for that the TV club. Yeah. Um, and they also just have a, a an article this week about Michael Schur's. I was going to say cinematic universe, but what do you call it when it's on television? Telematic. His, tele- his telematic universe. Thank you. That's what I will be calling it. Called the uncommonly decent television worlds of Michael Schur that I would really like to recommend. Yeah. It is a nice article. And uh, Emily Nussbaum wrote for The New Yorker um, uh, an article called Dystopia in the Good Place at the end of season one. So it's a little bit behind, but it is an excellent episode. Sorry, it's an excellent article. Yeah. And I'd also just like to say, uh, again, on The New York Times, they did an interview with Michael Schur a while back. Uh, that I found while I was doing some research and rooting around. And one thing that I I meant to mention last episode that I didn't is uh, just how refreshing it is to see so much diversity on screen. Uh, That's something that... Yeah, it did occur to me that there are no, like, white male um, humans on this show. Right. Uh, So basically... I mean, there are white male humans actually on the show. Actors, right. Uh, yeah, but all the white dudes are demons, which, you know, might be... Some... <laughs> it's a commentary yeah. on something. <laughs> um, but it's just a little uh, thing here about, uh, you know, he came up with the concept uh, after sort of wishing that there was some money ball type system to uh, add up all of your failures and all the bad things that you did versus all the good things that you did. But he quickly realized that that would be a bunch of nonsense in, in reality. Well, so that, and that kind of raises the question of, is he eventually going to write into the show, the destruction of that system? Yeah. And I think having read that article, that interview with yeah. him, I think there's a pretty high probability, which would be great that that is in fact, what's which would be happen. great. I'm, I'm all and, in Yes. Cast Amy Poehler. Yes. We're going to get both of them on this podcast as Amy Poehler as my witness. We're absolutely not going to get them on this podcast, but we might start a hashtag. Amy Poehler is Amy, It would be trending within five minutes. But but I did want to say uh, in this interview very quickly, he did say, he said, when I pitched it to NBC, I made it really clear that there is no benefit or harm to any kind of ethnicity, gender, age, or whatever. So the diversity actually has a narrative function and is also more interesting. He said, six white people in heaven doesn't sound like an interesting show to me. Neither does it to us, Michael Schur. So thank you very, very much. Uh, There's just a lot of really uh, wonderful naturalistic diversity on screen. uh, And you could see that in the hands of a less capable showrunner or a network that was less willing to take some narrative risks that we could basically get friends in heaven, the show friends in heaven, where it's just six white people, which is Michael's favorite. Yes. Show, Michael, so. Michael, the, the bad place, not Michael. Sure. Ted, Ted Danson. Danson's favorite yes. show. 
<laughs> yes. So I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's it's something that is really wonderful and adds a lot to the show without being super heavy handed about it. So, I agree. Yeah. So let's see. Let's wrap it up. Uh, once again, we're on Twitter at the Good Play Pod. We are on Facebook, uh, the Good Play. Um, we're on iTunes, the Good Play. And, uh, you know, do get in touch, do subscribe. And, um, you know, if you get at us on Twitter or Facebook, you're almost 100% guaranteed to have your name read on the show. So if that appeals to you, you know, talk to us. Yeah, talk to us. Tell us uh, what you thought about the premiere, what questions you have. um, Start conversations in the Facebook group. You know, you guys can talk amongst yourselves. How upset you are that we did not get Demon Adam Scott in this episode at all. (sighs) He can't be teamed by Michael. My boyfriend was nowhere to be found. What is this? Um, yeah, talk to us about your theories. Talk to us about your your confusion at our voices being so similar. We want to hear about it all. <laughs> so we'd love to hear from you. All right. Uh, until next time, don't forget that Hawaiian pizza is the worst pizza. Thanks for listening, Ding Dongs. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>